We are right now gathered as God's people. And because we are gathered as God's people, God calls us wherever we are to come as we are. And likely we come to this moment hurting and outraged. I come to this moment outraged. Having this week looked back again and again and again at an eight minute and 46 second video of the life of George Floyd being stamped out while he cries out. I can't breathe while he cries out for his mom. I look back on the weeks and I am outraged when I consider the video that I saw with my own eyes of Armand Aubrey running through a neighborhood, gunned down. I am outraged as I have conversations with my brothers and sisters of color who have said, oh, there is so much more that you don't even know about that doesn't make it on film that we have been carrying, that we have been shouldering, that we have been crushed by. I'm outraged at this cycle of violence that continues on our streets, destroying businesses, burning our cities, burning our nation. I'm outraged when I see the church that my mom was baptized in set on fire. And I'm outraged that this cycle of violence causes us to get into a place that gets us further and further from God's heart. I'm outraged when I see Christians misunderstand scripture and use it in a way that actually makes things worse. I am outraged even within at the things that I have overlooked, the things that I've been silenced to, the things that I have completely turned a blind eye to. I am outraged across the board. And we have a God that is outraged. And if you are outraged for whatever reason it is, there is no place that you can run right now than to God who understands, who gives you a context, who gives you an ability to have outrage without causing more hurt and more violence and more sin and more destruction. And then as we come together as God's people, that we will come to something that which nothing else on the planet can give us. As we come to God's word and prayer, we're going to receive not only comfort, but we are going to receive a challenge. We're going to receive hope, but we're going to receive an opportunity where we have to be humbled. And beginning next week, we're going to start through a brand new sermon series. I have scrapped what I had planned because we need to, as the church, step into the calling that God has for us to be not only ambassadors for Christ, but to be light in a dark world, that we have to be the salt of the earth, that we have to be the hope of the world, the body of Christ when the world needs it most. And so next week, one verse, one week at a time, we will walk through Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, re-remembering and discovering perhaps for the first time what it means for our faith to be turned into action, what it means for us not just to be a Christian uh, in name, but a follower of Christ in word and deed for us to put into practice the life and the way of Jesus that we would literally embody Christ through every thought, every action, every decision, every relationship in our life. But before we start that, we have to linger in Genesis chapter 4 where we encounter God's righteous response to the first murder of one of his children 
We have to linger in God's righteous response to that murder and the indifference that surrounded it and the vengeance that was possible because of it. And as we linger in Genesis chapter 4, there is a question that is ringing in my ears. A question that I pray will ring in your ears and in your heart for the next weeks and months. And the question is this. When blood cries out from the ground, will you hear it or will you tune it out? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength and you will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. This, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is the reading of God's word. And with a heavy heart, we say, thanks be to God. When blood cries out from the ground, do you hear it or do you tune it out? I need you to understand that God heard it and responded, what have you done? There was blood on the hands of Cain. And God responded. I want you to imagine this. God as father, God as creator, God as giver of life, God as the one who made all people in the image of God, all of them are God's precious children. And for the first time in all of eternity, God had to be confronted with the reality that one of his kids had just murdered another one of his kids and the blood cried out from the ground and God responds with outrage in a way that I will never understand as a father who has never lost a son, responds with outrage. What have you done? And we must know that before you were outraged, God was outraged first. Before you were overwhelmed with grief, God was overwhelmed with grief first. And yet God has the ability, God has the capacity, God has the sovereignty, God has the expansive heart and mind somehow to hear every life that has been taken. We find ourselves hearing about and being called to account on how we are going to respond to the death of George Floyd. And yet there are many names that we are not aware of. Many names that others 
our brothers and sisters of color who are aware of and we need to understand those names and we need to learn those names and we need to respond with outrage and grief and sorrow because that is God the Father's heart and yet there are also many other names who transcend every skin color, every race, every nation, every time, tribe, every tongue, throughout all of human history, there have been lives that have been taken in every single one. God cries out in response to that blood that cries out from the ground and says, what have you done? And we look across this city and this nation, and we need to know that whenever there is anything that comes from a place that sin starts, whether it be retaliation in violence, whether it be hate, whether it be destruction, whether it be vengeance taken in our hands, God cries out, what have you done? And I believe that God is looking out across our land and God is saying when there is life that has been taken, whether it be from someone in power or not, God cries out and says, what have you done? When there is destruction that is done all around us, God cries out, what have you done? When there is this seeking of violence in response to that which break our hearts, God responds, what have you done? When there is silence, when there is complicity, when there is the knowledge of injustice and yet the inaction from anyone, no matter who you are, myself included, God cries out, what? Have you done? And yet there's more to this story than just a God of justice who sees all. There is more to this story than a God of justice who cries out with anger yet was without sin. There is more to this story than a God who justice always is wrapped up in. There is a response from Cain earlier on in the story when a question is asked of him. When God says to Cain, where is your brother? Cain responds and says, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And I believe that God's response of what have you done wasn't just for the murder. It was for the indifference as well. And there is indifference all around it and there is indifference in my heart and I want to acknowledge that and I want to repent of that and I want you to open up your heart and allow God's word to read your life and ask you the question, when blood cries out, do you hear it or do you tune it out? Because if you are not God, There is some blood, there is some sin, there is some grievance, there is some injustice that you actually tune.
tune out and you don't even know it. In fact, the book of Romans says that we, all of humanity, has sinned. That though we want to relate to God and we are thankful that in this passage, God can actually relate to us. That we can see in this passage that, that there is context, that there is a safety, that there is an acknowledgement that we can be angry, that we can be outraged, that we can be dismayed, we can be heartbroken because God was first. And yet we must acknowledge that every single one of us born into this world of sin has a Cain nature within us. And when asked the question, where is your brother? In our flesh, apart from Christ in us, animating us, leading us, the hope of glory, apart from the Holy Spirit transforming us more and more in the image of Jesus, that God would course through our lives. Apart from that, we respond with, am I my brother's keeper? And I see this played out all around. When I hear some people say, you know, yes, it was awful what happened to George Floyd, but the real problem is the rioting. In that response, perhaps, are you saying, am I my brother's keeper? Here's the real issue. God responds with, what have you done? And yet I also see out in the world, this is the real issue, and it doesn't matter if there's right, it doesn't matter if there's looting, it doesn't matter if we take policemen's lives. This is the issue. Am I my brother's keeper? And I see it happening all around us. And I believe that God is crying out to all of us, what have you done? If we respond with indifference toward any group, whether of color or of profession or of a different political party or a different perspective, we in our flesh, in our humanness are so much like Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? And there is this great pandemic that is far deeper, far more destructive than a virus. And it is a pandemic of sin that pervades every pocket, every corner of all of humanity. And in the same way that the blood of Abel was on the hands of Cain, and justice needed to be done, in the same way that Cain was sentenced to a life without purpose, to a life without relationship, to a life without home. That if you read further on in the book of Genesis, that he is actually sentenced to a life away from the presence of God. That we can actually see that Cain's 
Cain's punishment was hell on earth for the rest of his life. Because hell is any place where you are absent from the presence of God. And that is far more than just a physical place to be spiritually removed from your creator, from your designer, from your savior, from the one who knows you, who wants to animate your life. To be removed from that is the greatest punishment of all. And the blood of Abel covered Cain. And that was his punishment. And so we are faced with the question, I am faced with the question, when blood cries out from the ground, do we hear it or do we tune it out? And I must say that I want to hear more. That that which I hear dismays me, destroys me, confounds me, outrages me. And yet I must with humility also say that I can, I can, I can tune the suffering and the cries out of some. And sometimes and I look back, I didn't even know it. And even as I seek to listen and to learn and to love and to lead on my journey of asking the Holy Spirit to transform me more and more to the image of Jesus, I am not going to arrive until I'm in the presence of God and the new heavens and the new earth. Until then, I'm going to continue and you're going to continue tune a little bit out. So what do we do? We don't give up. We don't settle in and let the words of the loudness all around us, of dismay, of despair, of revenge, of anything other than God's leading, guide us. You see, the blood of Abel covered Cain, and he lived with that the rest of his life. And every single human being, even as God over the Hebrew Scriptures began to institute what human courts of justice needed to look like. And I'm thankful that God put into place human courts of justice and we can pray and we can petition and we can protest and we can vote towards that which we believe echoes the heart of God through our criminal justice system. And yet there is still for many, this dissatisfaction when we don't see the fullness of justice across the fullness of our land come into a being, come into reality. And as I, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a follower of Jesus, as I come to God's word, as I turn to God's word, as I bring my outrage, as I pray, God, in my outrage, may I not sin, may I not hate, may I not kill others in my heart. I keep coming back to Jesus. Who not only is God in the flesh, who not only is the righteous judge in the flesh, who not only is the one who I look at his life, who had righteous anger, who had the ability to overturn tables in the temple, who able was 
to speak with clarity against sin, against destruction, against distortion, against the marginalization of people. He was able to speak against that with clarity and conviction. The judge, the righteous judge, God on earth, walked in human form in Jesus Christ. And something else happened. I love how the prophet Isaiah foretells of what is to happen in the life of Jesus. And I want you to take this moment in time with all the imagery that you have seen on the news, in social media, all of your outrage, all of your even shame within that you carry. I want you to focus all of that on the righteous judge who also comes to do this. This is Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4. Surely he... And this is a prophecy about Jesus. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises, we are healed. In fact, we, like sheep, have gone astray. And we have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, on the cross, the iniquity of us all. You see, he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice, he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living. I want you to put yourself in God's shoes, if you can. <laughs> Impossible, of course, but in your mind, in your heart. To not only go back to that moment where God cried out, what have you done, Cain? You have killed another one of my children. But for every moment that a life was taken, that sin distorted all of humanity, that God cries out again and again and again and again and again and again, what have you done? To put yourself in God's shoes and to imagine the choice that was made. To not walk away. To not tune out. To not be overwhelmed. To not seek violent revenge, but rather to come as a person. Who lived a perfect life who showed a new way to live and to love, who embodied not just justice, but who embodied peace, who embodied reconciliation, 
who is able to bring the high low and the low high to make a new community that describes God's heart for all of humanity, that regardless of your background, regardless of what has been said about you, regardless of your profession, regardless of who you are, you can be brought near and carried in the very embrace of God and sent out as ambassadors for that one. And to imagine that God that comes in the flesh in Jesus Christ, who was misunderstood, who was considered a threat, who was ultimately arrested, who was ultimately said by the religious elite, you are not our king. You are not the Messiah we've been waiting for. You are not enacting justice against the Roman state like we have wanted, like we think should happen. And that Jesus, that God in the flesh was beaten. was mocked, was whipped, was forced to carry the tool of his own execution on his back. Step after step, not just carrying a cross, but scripture says, carrying upon himself all of our sin, carrying upon himself every murder, carrying upon himself every perversion of justice, carrying upon himself every act of revenge, carrying upon himself every act of silence and indifference and tuning out. Jesus carried it all on his back, ultimately to that place the place of the skull, Golgotha, where he was crucified in between two criminals. A perversion of justice. The God who understands your outrage more than anyone else was killed by choice. For you, for those you love, for every George Floyd, every Breonna Taylor, every Ahmaud Arbery, every name, regardless of if they are a police officer or a politician, regardless of their skin color, regardless of where they were born, regardless of what they have done, all of that was taken upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And scripture says, because of that, the blood of Jesus cries out. There's one question for us today. When the blood cries out from the ground, do you hear it? Or do you tune it out? The only way we can be people that we want to be, the only way we can be light in a broken world, the only way that we can be salt in a world that has lost its taste, in a, in a, in a world where we can be ambassadors for hope, in a world in which we can be the type of people that not only we want to be, that the world needs is by us hearing the blood of Jesus that speaks a better word than Abel.
as the writer of Hebrews says, because that blood that cries out from the ground is a blood that takes away the blood that's been on our hands because of our sin, because of our silence, because of that which we've done that we don't want to do, that which we don't want to do that we've done. It takes away all of it and that blood from Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world now covers not your hands, but covers your heart. Covers your very being, covers your soul, covers over your bad deeds, your sin, your brokenness and atones for. Pays for with infinite cost. The justice that you actually deserve. And because of that. With empty hands of faith, we can receive the perfect, righteous, loving record of Jesus Christ upon her life. And we are first saved. And then because we are saved, now we can be obedient. Because we've received in faith that which Christ has done for us. Now we can live as ambassadors for Jesus, not to earn God's love, not to be politically correct, but out of obedience to what Jesus has called us to be. And I guarantee you that as you follow Jesus, as you allow the Spirit of God to dwell in your life, you will begin to have ears to hear, not just God's Word, but you will be able to hear what you need to hear from the entirety of the body of Christ. You won't go just to people within the body of Christ that is the church who look like you and talk like you and vote like you, but you would actually consider that which God is doing through the, the breadth and the expansiveness that is the body of Christ here on earth, the hands and feet of Jesus, that you would begin to listen in ways that you've never listened before and you would begin to listen to the cries of those around you. That you would actually be able to hear the blood that cries out from the ground in different ways than you ever have before. That you will actually be able to understand something that perhaps you've never understood before, what it is like to be judged by the color of your skin. And as you listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you might get to understand and listen what it is like to be judged because you have a police officer's uniform on. That as you listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you actually might get to understand things that you have never understood before. And your heart and your mind and your capacity for compassion and love and justice and mercy can be so expanded that you can move closer to the heart of God, closer to the Father's heart that you actually more and more would look out on the world and say, what have you done? You would be able to look in yourself and say, what have you done? That you would find your hope above all else in Jesus Christ. Not only the righteous judge, but also the penalty that we deserve. Church family, this is a complicated, impossible, rat's nest of an issue that is more complicated than we actually think it is. That a variety of events have 
brought that complicated rat's nest to the surface for more and more people. And I know the temptation is to tune out, to get overwhelmed, or to look at a particular path and say, whatever you're going to say. But I need you to know that there is one that you can run to who is unlike anyone else. The living God who not only understands your suffering, but who suffered infinitely on behalf of you. That you can run to that one, that you can bring your anger, you can bring your frustration, you can bring your questions, you can bring your shame, you can bring your inactivity, your silence, you can bring it all before the Lord and say, God, Lead me, give me your spirit, give me your guidance. I need it now. Scripture says that the land will not be healed until we cry out to God and we repent. So would you and I cry out to God? Would we repent in all the ways that we need to? Would we ask that God would heal the land and that God would heal the land through us, as ambassadors for Christ, as a voice for the voiceless, as part of a new citizenship, a new nation where we see the distinctiveness and we celebrate the distinctiveness in each other, and yet at the same time we are one in Christ, that we would slow down to listen and learn and love and lead together. The world needs the church more than anything else. Let's be that church with Christ at the head, the spirit guiding us for God's glory now and forevermore. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you understand when we look out on the world and we know that there are some people who don't understand, you understand. God, I thank you that you are always with the hurting. And there are so many people in our city, in our world, in our church that are hurting right now. God, I thank you that you are always with the hurting. And so God, would you open up our mind? Would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our vision, our ears to see those that hurt around us? And God, would you use us? for your glory, for your name's sake. God, there are no easy answers, and yet there is you. So we come to you again out of need, in humility, in repentance, in outrage. We come to you. Be our salvation. Be our rock. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray and we say together, amen.